and welcome to an episode of Anime Countdown. I'm your host, LB. Joining me as always is CT. Evening, everybody. So, for Anime Countdown this time, we are doing another really simple kind of topic. We're going to be talking about our favorite anime soundtracks of all time. However, we're throwing in a couple of little wrinkles to keep us from just kind of coasting through this and just naming off our easy favorite soundtracks from our favorite composers that we did way back in the way back about a year ago. We are going to go ahead and add in a couple of caveats, a couple of rules. First rule is no Kaijura for me, no Kano for CT. Again, that's standard music rules for us. <laughs> the other rule is that we're not allowed to choose soundtracks from our all-time favorite composers list. So that eliminated quite a few soundtracks right off the bat. And I actually had to do quite a bit of searching to figure out what are my favorite soundtracks that aren't from my favorite composers. Uh, soul CT, soul searching? So yeah, you were, pretty uh... much. You, you really had a, like every single thing you considered was just tearing at not being a Kajiura soundtrack. That's, that's pretty much. Yeah. I, okay. I, I went through my personal music library to prepare for this podcast and I filtered it down to just soundtracks and OSTs. And I realized that the vast majority of my soundtracks belong to Yuki Kaijura. I don't <laughs> have that many soundtracks anymore that don't belong to her. So, and then when we had to filter down the ones that were from our favorite composer list, that gave me even smaller of a selection to choose from. So I really had to kind of do some digging and figure out, you know, what I wanted to include. I definitely, there were a few that, you know, I knew right away the kinds of things I would want to pick. And then it started getting harder. And so I cheated a little by making my side of it sort of an interesting uh, concept, which uh, I'll, I'll go through specifically. Because another thing that, uh, I guess, for, first thing to clarify when we say soundtrack, we mean literally OST's soundtrack, so mostly background music, probably the OP or ED gets in there, some insert songs, but things like songbooks, uh, concept collections, things like that were not uh, under contention. So... Uh, my, my propensity for listening to songbooks and listening to, uh, you know, diverse collections in a, in a CD, as well as just, you know, knocking out Kano and Sagisu and Hisaishi. Yeah, def it <laughs> definitely roughened things up a bit. Uh, and a part of me just really didn't feel right doing the thing where, you know, if if I were to listen to the Space Brothers or Chihai Furu soundtracks, of course, my soul gets transported to a higher plane. There are certain <laughs> songs in there that are just complete cheat modes. Uh, so it's easy for me to pick something like that. But so much of it comes through from uh, love 
of the medium of the show itself that it's hard for me to judge, you know, how much of that uh, came through from, you know, love of the OST specifically. Uh, so because I, I was kind of mentally factoring some of those out, uh, it lit me upon the, the thing that I will, excuse me, that I will mention how I'm going to go through things uh, after we give our our composers a do in the honorable mention segment. We don't want them to feel, you know, stiffed or lonely. So uh, <laughs> I I will let you rattle off uh, whichever, you know, Kajiura stuff you want everyone to listen to. But uh, but I'll I'll give a few uh you know rex for uh for my composers as well and then we'll we'll get into the specific individual osts so before i get into my honorable mentions i want to actually go ahead and mention something uh you mentioned just a moment ago that you were trying to avoid soundtracks that you already just loved the series and you didn't want that to color your choice. Just for the record, I took the opposite approach (laughs) because part of what makes a great soundtrack to me is, does it take me back? Does it take me back to that moment when I heard it in the series and make me remember how I felt in that moment when I was when I was watching that moment and I had the full presentation complete with visuals and the audio. So yeah. So my approach to my list is kind of the opposite. (laughs) Well, we'll have a little conversation about that when we uh, get to the middle of my list. Cause I have, I have a specific thing I know is coming that uh, that'll lead me to expand upon this concept a bit, but uh, okay. But, all right, honorable mentions. So, all right, for my honorable mentions, I am definitely going to be talking about Yuki Kajura. Uh, I just can't talk about soundtracks without mentioning her and just how vividly and viscerally her music makes me feel. I feel such deep emotions whenever I listen to a Yuki Kajura soundtrack. I am literally to the point where if a show says that they have her as their, com- as their composer, I will watch the show simply to listen to her music. Uh, a good example of that is this coming summer is going to be Case Study of Vanitas, which is sounds like, you know, a fairly average vampire story. I'm not exactly dying to see the vampire story, but I really want to listen to her music, and I can't <laughs> wait to listen to a new soundtrack from her. It's the same reason why I watched Princess Principle all the way through, even though I didn't exactly love it but still the soundtrack was good so i listened so i watched the entire i was trying to remember i thought i caught you in a lie i was trying to remember if you watched all of print print and didn't really like it or if you uh bailed on it nope i did watch all of it you watched lord el malloy as well no i didn't 
Okay. So, well, that's pretty new. You you have time to catch up. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, but in terms of honorable mentions from the past, uh, if I had to choose my just favorite Kaijura soundtracks, I could be here all night. So I'm going to mm-hmm. narrow it down to her top three. Uh, and that would actually be the three soundtracks that she did for B Train's Girls with Guns trilogy. <laughs> uh, so Noir, Madlax, El Casador, De La Bruja. These are soundtracks that I can listen to over and over and over again. I will never get sick of listening to them. Madlax in particular, Madlax, I think, is possibly peak Kaijura. Noir is very, very good. I love the Noir soundtrack, even though the show isn't great. But Madlax is just that soundtrack that made me fall in love with her music. I can listen to it over and over and over again, like I said. It is just that brilliant. El Casador de la Bruja actually had to grow on me a little bit. I'll admit that I didn't love it at first, but it grew (laughs) on me very quickly um but yeah those are the three soundtracks that if you want like the best yuki kajura experience listen to those soundtracks sounds good although thinking about it looking at her list i believe there was a lie in there somewhere because you let erased get away from you eh eh not didn't complete that one boy i didn't finish erased yes well you said to completion so there we are slipped up (laughs) i gotcha uh yeah i gave three to uh my composers so this will serve as a reminder of who we were picking for our composers and i largely did them in order of uh the first pick is a is basically my personal favorite. Uh, the next one is going to be something that's kind of different for them, and so I think it's it's interesting to seek out. And then uh, the last one will probably be you know one of those that's just kind of community excellence uh, overall. Uh, uh, everyone just kind of fawns over it and it is of course excellent so if we start with yoko kano i will push the escaflone soundtracks on on everyone and uh you know the music from our expanding horizons Mm -hmm. uh macross plus and then uh cowboy bebop is an unavoidable uh (laughs) soundtrack uh tour de force uh, going over to Joe Hisaishi, uh, I do recommend the Nausicaa soundtrack. Uh, there are a few very specific ones that uh, uh, just hit me all over the place. Uh, Venus Wars is one that I think is very interesting because it doesn't seem Hisaishi-like, especially if all you're experiencing is the Ghibli mold and... Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 I keep saying that. Uh, <laughs> and there are again a few specific songs in there that are that are pretty great. And uh, I think I'll end recommending his uh, Totoro soundtrack. 
probably spirited away is still, you know, best. But again, that, you know, some of that gets flavored by the overall strength of, of that work, which is semi-peerless. Uh, so Totoro just has certain uh, a, a certain delight to it that I think uh, is hard for other things to match. Uh, Kenji Kawai was on my list, and I will recommend uh, his Ghost in the Shell soundtrack, which is, of course, stunning. Uh, Pat Labor, uh, he pretty much did all of the music for that. And uh, the one that's kind of an interesting choice was a more recent show in uh, Perfect Insider, or uh, Subita Gaia. Uh, Yuki Hayashi was the youngest composer, probably... Most people know him out in the field as uh, the guy who's doing a lot of haiku and My Hero Academia music, but uh, I recommend Welcome to the Ballroom most. Uh, Run with the Wind, I think, is very strong, and uh, Death Parade is another one that he did, so that one's short and sweet. And of course, Shiro Sagisu of Kimagure Orange Road fame, my primary recommendation, the interesting one. Uh, I give the Macross 2 soundtrack, and then we'll cap it off with a little-known anime called uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Never heard of it. (laughs) Maybe I'll recommend it to you someday. Okay. So, uh... So, at any rate, that, uh... That that lists it through, and, uh... I know a bunch of these came up during our composer chat, but uh, this is the focused recommendation for people to pick up. Cool. So are we ready to get into our main lists? I am ready. All right. Well, I started with my with the honorable mention, so we'll go ahead. We'll start with your main list. I will start so I can also introduce the concept here. Okay. I'm gonna, to my left, I'm going to smack a thing. This is a portable CD case. It is what I usually carried around with me in my car for long periods of time, you know, like a, a 30 pack, something like that. Cases and all, I never never liked going into the sort of billfolds, pull the stuff out. Uh, I would really, in recent years, I only really used it for um, going to cons but in this case really just otocon specifically and the last time my car had a cd player it was in 20 2017 <laughs> so it hasn't been looked at or adjusted since then but what it what it represents is sort of the if i'm going to the big con that i attend every year this this is my preferred mood music going to and coming back from from the con. So uh, I I felt it, it definitely contained a few that were going to make my list anyway, and I feel that it well represents that solid block of time and sort of the uh, coalescing of a decade worth of CD collection and putting them all uh, into space and uh, uh, refining them bit by bit and pulling out this one and adding an, another one and flipping a few cds at a time so this this was the final state of that case and what i'm going to do 
is flip through all of them, and then ones that qualify <laughs> will end up on my list. Okay. And you'll hear a whole lot of ones that don't, and why. Uh, so the first one is actually pretty easy. I don't have to dig anywhere in it. It's the only two CD set in my set. And it is a uh, album called Macross the Complete. So it's basically music from uh, from the Macross Super Dimensional Fortress series, and for me specifically, much more any anything that was uh, Do You Remember Love, the movie related. Uh, the composer for that is Kentaro Haneda, and I feel like it's a good one to start with because his sound. I, I mean, he can pick up. Macross uh, soundscape, I think anyone familiar with it is immediately brought in, but it also kind of represents a the the formative point in time of me picking up anime to begin with. Uh, he was doing things like uh, Space Cobra and Orgus and Barefoot Gan and a Yamato and... Uh, uh, one of the Project Echo movies, that horrible Odin movie. <laughs> Onisama <laughs> eh was the last soundtrack he was involved in. So that's 1991. So it's basically a, a block that's just a solid block of 80s and a bunch of huge things. Uh, so the interestingly, uh, prior to this, because I really just watched the Do You Remember Love movie, and I didn't watch, because I didn't have available, uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, I was much more familiar with the Robotech soundtrack, and that obviously meant, uh, uh, you know, was huge for me back then. But this was one of those... Uh, there, there were basically three series in the beginning that were just huge for me in music and, and rapid re-listening, uh, one of them being Orange Road, uh, another being Bubblegum Crisis, and then Backcross being the uh, uh, the huge third. So uh, as we'll get to other albums, the only one that qualifies is Macross. So here's where I get, <laughs> I get to get, give it its due. Uh, it obviously has a great... Uh, uh, you know, stretch of uh, battle music. It's got a, a feature all over. It's uh, decently brassy and jazzy in a lot of parts because, you know, dogfighting is a big uh, mainstay. Uh, and of course, if you're going to have one OST and you're going to have uh, a bunch of, of idle music in it, this one has, you know, Mari Ijima singing 10 different idol songs, which are all, you know, Min Mei's. That, that's literally her through line through the whole thing. You know, uh, Zero G Love and My Boyfriend is a Pilot. These are, these are those iconic melodies and songs which uh, carry the entire damn series. Uh, I know you had started watching it with the waifu at one point, but... Uh, Macross... Didn't you? At we least an episode or two? To, yeah, we said we were going to, and then it just never happened. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, I, I, I wanted to, but we just never got around to it. That's fine. You have you have plenty of time, and this is a this is a great uh, transportational soundtrack 
if that kind of thing was, you know, central to you in some fashion. So, mm-hmm. uh, so definitely this follows along with what, what you're talking about. And of course, you know, familiarity with show, repeated listening of music is what digs music of any sort in. Uh, this one is a little bit more evocative to me not so much of the specific work because uh, the Do You Remember Love movie doesn't have all of that kind of stuff in it. It has a segment of it being a movie and not, you know, 36 episodes. Uh, and I didn't get that music from Macross until way later than uh, than I listened to this thing, you know, on on repeat all of the time. But it... But it feels soul of, you know, transformational mecha, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, combat and, and antics and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, it's, it's very much, it's more of a, uh, transportation to kind of a time and place rather than into the specific work for me. But, uh, but it's great stuff. Alright, so for my first soundtrack, I'll admit I went back and forth on this one. I really wanted to include at least one period soundtrack on my list, and it was down to two choices. I could have gone with Victorian Romance Emma because that has a wonderful soundtrack, but... In the end, I decided to go with Spice and Wolf. Nice. So Spice and Wolf was composed by Yuji Yoshino. I really like this soundtrack. I love the little uh, pan flute melodies that get inserted throughout. I think that they're just really cheerful and really, and they do a really great job of segueing one scene to another. In particular, if I had to choose one moment that sold me on this series soundtrack, it would be from early on in season one, the moment when Kraft Lawrence and Holo arrive in that city and she sees the huge pile of apples (laughs) and they're driving past and she just turns and in that pleading little voice just goes apples and the little pan flute plays in the background as it transitions to her getting her apples and that moment alone sold me on this soundtrack this like i mentioned earlier the soundtrack to victorian romance emma is fabulous i love that soundtrack but it didn't have the same selling moment for me it's good overall but if i listen to the spice and wolf soundtrack then i know that i'm gonna get pulled back in and I know that I'm going to be remembering those little moments along the way, like the Apple moment or so many others. So definitely Spice and Wolf get earned its spot on my list. That's good. That's sweet. I don't think I've listened to that soundtrack, so I'll have to uh, have to give it a whirl 
obviously I like the music from the show. So let's see how far until I get something that I can use. My first two CDs that I see here are not one, but two Taiho Shichazo. You're under arrest. I just love saying Taiho Shichazo. Uh, <laughs> what these actually are are, uh, well, one of them is a straight up songbook, but the other one of them is, uh, you know how there are a lot of CDs that are audio dramas? Uh huh. Uh, this one isn't all audio drama, but they have skits. So the day of TPD of the Tokyo Police Woman duo. Uh, so basically every odd track is them doing a little voice acting skit with the rest of the cast and doing cute stuff. And then every even track is a song. And they are not... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. They are not... Uh, uh, even like OPs and EDs. I'm not a huge fan of the OPs and EDs from the series, I'm, but I'm a huge fan of some of these weird little character songs uh, that they pick. And this is something, the, re the reason I'm running along on this is because this is something I feel like we have not gotten in a while. It felt very common uh, in the 90s, certainly, and at other times to get these albums. Uh, obviously, I, I didn't care too much for audio drama, I did enjoy all of these little character songs and they'd have weird things. They'd sing a, a rap for no reason, but you know, nineties J pop rap. <laughs> you can imagine how that goes, but a lot of them are, are really good and you never got them in the show either. They're things that only existed on CD. So mm -hmm. anyway, neither of those can count. Uh, so let's see. Escaflone soundtrack one, soundtrack two, soundtrack three. Uh, no question why those can't count. And here is an Urise Yatsura CD, but it is the complete vocal collection of the TV series. So it's primarily their giant pile of OPs and EDs. So that also can't, that also can't work. But this next one can. And that is... A soundtrack performed, I think they only were involved in one uh, anime soundtrack production, which makes it uh, very iconic and extraordinarily fitting almost as much as the visuals of what ended up being, you know, a, a classic era masterpiece in the gateway for a lot of people, uh, Akira. So the... Cool. The artists for this are a group called, uh, this is going to be difficult, <laughs> Geno Yamashirogumi. Uh, and their particular vocal and soundscape I find highly interesting because there's a lot of there's a lot of chanting. There's a lot of, uh, you know, s specific uh, uh, classical instruments and styles of Japanese singing that is mixed with modern synthesizers and uh, certain modern computer-generated sounds and other production to put together an entire 
a thing that it, it's damn near hypnotic at some times. Uh, so this is definitely one thing. I'm not, I would have expected this to be more common for a movie soundtrack specifically, but I'm not really drawn into scenes in this. I'm drawn into the feeling of Akira uh, with this. And in that case, the, the feeling of the soundscape that I'm getting the entire time. So the Macross one was more of an era rather than the show. This one is of the movie, but not of sp- specific parts of the movie because this is very, it, it feels a lot more disconnected from scene to scene, but it is just a tremendously unique uh, audio ride that you are on the whole time and, you know, a ton of chanting and other things. So it's, it's almost meditative to put this album on and just ride along with it. So uh, it's definitely one of the more unique ones that uh, always rode around in, in that case. And uh, I'm not sure it's, not an easy one to recommend people just just pick up for the heck of it. I think if you enjoy certain uh, classical Japanese instruments and voices, so if you find yourself compelled w- with shows like this season's Those Snow White Notes, which is about the uh, shamisen or Kono mm. Tomare about the koto before... Uh, or you're drawn in by even some of the cultural influence, I, I think it's worth you exploring it. Uh, it's a little bit harder unless you've watched the movie and get just how fitting all of this is as the uh, as the back end of it to then say, well, you know, just pick it up and listen to it as an album. But uh, it's worth the effort. Alright, so for my next soundtrack, I actually have to cheat a little bit on this one. (laughs) You bastard. Yeah, I know, I suck. Uh, The thing is, is that the series had soundtracks for season one and season two, but the two seasons had completely different staffs. So season one was composed by Toshihiko Sahashi and season two was composed by Ko Otani. So, and I can't really pick which one I like better. So I'm just going to include them both. And that would be the soundtracks for Gunslinger Girl. Nice. Uh, Gunslinger Girl is definitely one of those shows that you have to experience sometime it's just absolutely wonderful i haven't watched in a little while because it's very heavy as well uh it's basically all about orphaned girls getting turned into fighting machine mechanical fighting machines it's kind of rough uh emotionally but the soundtrack to both season one and season two do such a wonderful job of capturing that emotional tightness that this series evokes. And it just is powerfully done but from both Sahashi and Otani. The soundtracks are just really well done. They're very powerful. 
um, not even just excluding the ops and the ads. This, just the soundtracks by themselves are just very well crafted and very... Uh, they have really strong uh, string sections that's they're pretty much mostly string based uh, but regardless like I said I couldn't choose which one I like better if you ask me overall which series I like better I could probably make that decision but it, but just asking on which soundtrack I like better I couldn't do it so between this and your uh, honorable mention recommendations for Kajiura, I'm I'm sensing a bit of a pattern. Give, okay. Uh, give give small girls guns and make them deadly, and uh, and that's what makes you happiest. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> uh, or or made uniforms, you know. What, what do we have the. Uh, the the coyote ragtime gang squad. <laughs> <laughs> Do not diss the twelve sisters. Mm. Okay, so if I go over here, there is "Touch My Heart," which is a Devil Hunter Yoko soundtrack, but again, songbook. Uh, and now we are at the quarter of the case. That is disqualified due to Shiro Sagisu, because uh, there are the three uh, discs that have never left this case. My first three albums, the Orange Road, Sound Color 1, Sound Color 2, Sound Color 3, those are literally the shows, the TV show's entire uh, soundtracks. But then there's one that's more of a songbook in Singing Heart, most of their songs. There's one that's for the uh, Anohi, the movie there's one for the uh what is it that jump special that literally is bad <laughs> but, <laughs> so the best thing about it is this cd right here which has songs that for the life of me it took me a longest time to understand where that music came from i thought that maybe it was just leftover music but then the first time that i you know was able to stream that jump special from somewhere. I'm like, oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny. Uh, Nadia vocal collection. So that's disqualified for being Shiro Sagisu and a vocal collection. Uh, but here are the next things that work. Uh, I The case usually fluctuates between one and three of these that I have. But they are the uh, soundtracks for Rurangi Kenshin. Okay. So, feels a little unexpected uh, due to my general disdain of, you know, Battle Shonen stuff. But, I mean, Kenshin is still my top tier for that. And,. In some ways, I, I think the music might help that an awful lot because uh, I find it very, very compelling. And again, the uh, composer is known for combining traditional elements of Japanese music with rock and jazz and other 
a modern instruments, electric guitars, and uh, and other things. So you get you get an interesting broad palette, and it's very fitting, of course, for Kenshin's time period. And uh, the rock elements feel very much like here's a shonen jump combat title, uh, but it carries enough flavor of you know actually being in the 1800s in Japan, uh, and there are definitely you know key tracks in this that can drive me and get me pretty excited and pumped for certain scenes, or do their you know normal best thing of uh, uh, evoking certain emotions at uh, certain periods because Kenshin is much more of a mournful soldier of a sort and and not your stereotypical hothead. So I think the music uh, works really well. But these are these are great soundtracks to to again journey through. Obviously, a whole lot better if you have. Uh, watched Kenshin and certainly that influenced me with it but I think it's uh, overall an an interesting and driving set of uh, uh, of soundtracks in general for the uh, for for general listening not just for show listening and has uh, in, in some ways an unmatched flavor as well I, I like strangely unique stuff Mm-hmm. Admittedly, that's because I also the if if I'm canceling out things like Escaflone and Orange Road, uh, <laughs> you you leave me no choice. What what you're getting are the things that are outside of those normal uh, bounds. So uh, yeah, so that that'll pop up for my next one. You can technically call this a cheat. But I don't think that it is. Okay. The reason why it's a cheat is because basically this composer has only done a couple of soundtracks. They've done Aria the Scarlet Ammo. They've done, I think, one other. And then the one that I'm actually mentioning. The composer in question is Takumi Ozawa. And basically for this soundtrack, it feels like someone walked up to him and said, hey, can you do a Yuki Kajura impression? And he said yes. And that's what we got with the soundtrack to Magia Record. Ah. The soundtrack to Magia Record is really good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And at first, I thought that it was Yuki Kajura. I thought that they had brought her in and then I looked it up and realized, oh, it's just someone doing a Yuki Kajura impression, uh, which is totally fine. You know, it's kind of, an, it's a way of getting her style of music without paying her rates. <laughs> so, you know, so, hey, more power to them. Uh, but hey, it was a really good soundtrack. It wasn't quite as powerful as the Madoka Magica soundtrack. Uh, it didn't have the same um, it didn't have the same quite feeling of it, but it was effective. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, it like I said, felt like Kajura Light. So, you know, that had it it had it going in its favor. So that's how it's kind of earned its spot on my list. 
Now, is that one, since you mentioned Madoka Magica, is that one aiming more in that direction? Because I don't, I, I find the Madoka work to be, you know, fairly unique for uh, Kajiura because it, it seems to be pulling in a bunch of folk. It pulls in more vocals than, uh, than normal. It's got a, it's a bit creepier. Uh, the normal. I'm not sure how often she moves in that direction, but it, it has a decidedly different feel to me than, say, Sword Art Online or Erased. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what do you think it was? Is it something where he's aiming in the same direction generally, or you just found that that one was trying specifically to evoke uh, Madoka? That soundtrack in particular was trying really hard to evoke Madoka. It had the same kind of creepy, quiet, somber vibe that the Madoka soundtrack did. Can't blame anyone for that. Yeah, totally. And for Magia Record, the tone worked uh, because that series is very, you know, somber, quiet, mysterious because they're trying to solve, you know, various different mysteries going on in the town. So, yeah. But definitely, it was basically someone doing a Yuki Kajura impression and not doing a terrible job of it. So, I will count that as a half-cheat, only because you were looking to wedge Kajiura in the door. Not that... uh, the composer hasn't done enough because we did not discuss that as being a thing for me. OST is, is OST. And I, I know what's coming up. Uh, and definitely the composer of what I'm going to find next, uh, absolutely has no track record other than literally this one thing. So, uh, however, the first CD is a bubblegum crisis vocal collection. So, there we go. We're we're reinforcing those things I mentioned. <laughs> what what drove me back when? But the next one, I'm pretty sure I mentioned at some point or another. It is the soundtrack to the movie, the one that I get to call my favorite Ghibli because I can differentiate it from best Ghibli favorite. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Miyazaki. Uh, or Takahata, but it, it is uh, the soundtrack to Umiga Kikueru, known eventually as Ocean Waves. Okay. I like the English title from prior to that, where it was called I Can Hear the Sea. Uh, so this is has a little bit of infamy to it, weirdly, as an overall movie. Uh, because it was something where Ghibli was very specifically giving a project to their younger staff in almost all of positions, to my understanding, from uh, you know director to scriptwriter to composer in this case to animators. They were given something and basically given free reign to to do it mostly how they wanted and not feel fettered by what Ghibli you know, was strongly pushing at that time, which is basically all projects held by Miyazaki or Takahata. Uh, 
Uh, so th this movie occupies a specific place in my heart, and the soundtrack is just like a coalescing of the movie. Uh, this is the one that I, I implied earlier was going to have me bring things back up, because when I mentioned something like Chihai Furu and uh, Space Brothers, they obviously have tracks that can call to mind certain scenes. Usually the first time it gets used, or one of the most important times, but those key uh, uh, compelling soundtracks are used so often because you have a show that's multiple cores. Each of them are, are running, you know, six plus cores, so you get them a lot. And it's the re-exposure, of course, that makes them so great, but it also muddies what you're going to think about if you just listen to that track. Uh, you're eventually drawn in and the track represents a particular feeling and the reason I always call them cheat mode is no matter what the thing is doing, if they start calling back the specific track, I'm like, okay, well, now my brain is going to feel this because you are playing the music. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle of great scenes and, and acting reinforcing great music and great music being tied to new scenes and going over and over and the hearing the track in an OST brings the emotion that gets uh, uh, highlighted overall, well, whether it's, you know, the triumphant, uh, whether it's certain circumstance triumphant, whether it's Muta being, you know, all pensive and stuff, uh, the melancholic ones, they're, a ton of great tracks. This OST, to me, however, because there's not a lot of music used in the movie at all, you get these once. And that's where I was saying before, with, with Akira, I would normally suspect that tracks largely tie you to very specific scenes in a movie because you're likely getting that track at a particular time and you're not getting it repeated much, if at all. In this case, the album is 10 tracks. All of them are basically three and a half minutes and longer. So you are not getting the typical, you know, with, with a lot of background music, you get an emphasis on here's a, here's, here's a loop that's going on for about a minute. We'll loop it twice for you. And that's the, the track. You get a whole bunch of uh, things that are between one a minute and a half, two minutes, uh, two and a half minutes, and some of the occasional ones that aspire to the three and a half <laughs> minute direction. Uh, while this one, all of the background music is... It plays for a long time. It gives itself time to, to build... Uh, when refrains come up, it uh, explores them in a different way, so you can get back to segments of it. They've changed it from strings to introducing brass to uh, leading over to a piano, so it it has a lot of musical travel to it, 
if I were to call it anything. So uh, it it has a, an appeal to me that's different than your usual track that, you know, you get a few quick loops and here's because they they have the sounds that they want to pull from from scene to scene and you end up getting a whole lot more music used in it by and large because you have a much bigger bank of uh, tracks to pull from. Uh, that's definitely not the case here. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, like I said, it, it was introducing new, new instrumentation, so there's a lot of jazz elements to it, even when it's not a track that's being specifically jazzy, where you're passing instruments to each other, uh, which I just find interesting from track to track. And then the capper for it all on me is they call just specific scenes. So I can't visualize anything but what that track represents because it doesn't get used in any other way. So in a way, I kind of don't ever have to rewatch the movie. <laughs> I can, I can re-experience it uh, in the car on the road, just playing it along. Uh, I find it really weird that this composer didn't seem to do anything else. I'm almost wondering what happened to the guy. He, did he come in and have a shot and then it wasn't really appreciated too well and he decided to go get a normal office job? Because <laughs> it didn't <laughs> seem like he went into uh, uh, video games, didn't seem like he went into anything else. Uh, like a couple commercials or a short. And then, as far as I can tell, disappeared from the face of the earth. So it's uh, it's a little weird just because of how much this OST speaks to me. So I've, I think even if you haven't watched the movie, it'd be an interesting one to just listen to. I knew that I was going to love this soundtrack from the first moments of episode one. Hmm. Uh, because as soon as I mention this, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, because episode one starts with just this hauntingly beautiful rendition of Scarborough Fair. <laughs> so from that moment on, I knew that I was going to enjoy this soundtrack just because that first track was so well done and so well placed and so evocative of the moment. Um, the rest of the soundtrack is good. There are a couple of, you know, silly little tracks that kind of get thrown in along the way that aren't that great, but the overall product is very good. And that would be the soundtrack to World End, composed by Tatsuya Kato. I'm sorry, I do not recognize that title. I'm going to need you to uh, give me the full title. Tough. <laughs> I am not going to look up how many different questions get attached <laughs> for, to the end for, of World For those End. not in the know, this particular work has one of the most light novel of light novel-y titles and all that represents <laughs> where it's basically a paragraph. Yeah, so I'm not gonna waste a breath to say the complete full title, but the soundtrack from Kato is very good. I enjoyed it so much. 
it was just very well done like i said there's a couple of silly little tracks thrown in uh, that represent the moments when like the children are playing or anything like that but for the most part the soundtrack is very somber it's very beautiful it's very powerful and so that's how i made it onto my list i watched the show certainly i i agree with all possible thumbs up about the uh the scarborough fair rendition there uh especially when you finish the show christ's sake uh, I don't think I listened to the soundtrack, so I'll have to give it a whirl. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So heading into the final stretch of my box, I have a uh, Ghibli Brass Quintet edition. So it's uh, Miyazaki films uh, all done by a... Uh, a brass quintet, so that obviously does not work for a variety of reasons. Uh, oh, here's here's a mice and a cuckoo songbook. A mice and a cuckoo song looks looks like three mice and a cuckoo things in a row. Uh, one of them I keep for a specific song, and not all of the stuff from it, but because it has a differing rendition of one of the uh one of the uh ed uh sorry one of the ops uh sumishimamoto the uh kyoko's voice actress sings her own version of it and i i always wanted to be able to just go to those tracks and play them over and over uh here is a ladies the songs of galforce so that's a songbook that doesn't work uh, what do we got here? Laputa, that doesn't work. <laughs> here is a, a couple Ranma albums. First of all, it's mostly Doko vocals on one of them, and then mostly Opie's and Edie's on another one, and it's Kenji Kawai, so that doesn't work. Uh, here's just a regular anime theme song collection, so that doesn't work. Here is a Magic Knight Rayearth original songbook. So that doesn't work. And a Magic Knight Rayearth. I think this one is similar to that uh, You're Under Arrest one where it's got them uh, doing little voice acting skits and then has uh, other particular tracks. So... Uh, now, unfortunately, Rayearth doesn't give me a soundtrack, but I will recommend those soundtracks. And there are, by the way, a crap ton of soundtracks. I did not know until I looked it up just how many uh, there were. Uh, it It's interesting because all of Rayearth stuff comes across as sort of interesting symphonic tracks, but then immensely video gamey. And... Uh, you know, the, this particular composer did stuff for JoJo's and Helsing Ultimate and Hack Shirabako. Uh, but they've done a, a ton of video game music, so a bunch of Dragon Quest, Ogre Battle, Knights into Dreams, Pag uh, Panzer Dragoon. So uh, the the fit and feel of Rayearth songs uh, make a whole lot of sense. But this leads to the last option. Uh, which is of an era and of a type. The composer is Seiko Nagaoka. 
you experienced uh, his music watching Tenchi Muyo when we did. Uh, but he also basically does all of the music for El Hazard. And El Hazard, The Magnificent World, the symphonic soundtrack for the uh, 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 for for the first work, the OVA, is uh, one of those soundtracks that is just the height. Of, I mean, it, it is a symphony, and it gets used that way in the show. I'm. You can call that a semi-cheat of the soundtrack, maybe, but I know that I forget if all of it gets used symphonically during the show or if there is a bunch uh, that was enhanced for it. But yeah, I'm not going to care. This this is simply one of my favorite overall soundtracks of any of them. It is a, a symphony. It is, It has an excellent you know, Arabian flavor to it, that being, you know, what El Hazard as a worldscape brings to the game. Um, This is one of those that I will play for other people. Sight unseen, they can be a complete anime normie and simply enjoy it for being music because it's just excellently composed. It's a a full, uh, full top to bottom, uh you know you it doesn't come across like a uh a beethoven but it comes across simply like an an excellent romantic era or a uh, uh, classical composer with a bit of you know modern flair and a bit of uh asian flair and it's just great right so listen on. to it without anything else doesn't matter <clears throat> invite all your friends Recommend it to people who pretend to hate anime music and video game music. I, I do that with other symphonic albums too. I will, uh, I will say, here you go. Here, here's you're making fun of video game music. This is what video game music occasionally does. So, on that note, I would like to mention one other thing that I forgot to mention during our introduction. As with every music episode. This episode is dedicated to my friend who once told me that anime music wasn't real music. <laughs> so well, No, that's true. Definitely. Yeah, so fake. just throwing that out there that as with every music episode, this episode okay. is dedicated to that friend. Understood. Okay, so for my final choice... This is one that I was thinking we were going to double up on, but I guess not, and that's totally fine. Um, You've mentioned it multiple times throughout the show as something that is one of your favorites, but you just couldn't mention it because you were too closely tied to the series that it came from. I don't have that problem. So I am going to go ahead and make my final choice, the soundtrack composed by Toshiyuki Watanabe for Space Brothers. Okay, I can't blame you for that. Yeah, Space Brothers is one... Yes, I am very emotionally attached to the show. There's no denying that. I petition people to watch it more more often than I probably should. Mm -hmm. Uh, Impossible. 
the thing is about the Space Brothers soundtrack that I love is that even though we hear certain themes multiple times throughout the show, it never feels old. It never feels like it's being repeated too often. It's just timeless. And that's really hard to do with a soundtrack of any kind, anime or not. So when you have a 99 episode series and you only have, you know, two CDs worth of tracks to throw in, that can be really difficult to compose music that doesn't feel like it's being repeated all the damn time for the entire 99 episode run. Space Brothers doesn't do that. Space Brothers has tracks that no matter how many times you hear them, they feel appropriate. They feel equally powerful as the first time you heard them. So that's just so hard to do no matter what medium you're composing for. And so I will love the Space Brothers soundtrack all the way until the day I die. That That is good. Certainly if I didn't come up with my concept, uh, which is CD-based, and I do not own those on CD, uh, it would have been hard for me to to not do that. <laughs> no matter what I'm saying, but I really don't have anything to add since I've been storytelling for it the whole time through the rest of the cast. <laughs> By comparison, I feel like that probably, uh, 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 you know, made my... Uh, bared my feelings for it uh, pretty directly. So, all right, do we have any final thoughts, final words that we want to say before we wrap things up? I think we can call it here. All right, so thank you, CT, for joining me for another fun countdown discussion. As always, it was a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely. And the audience should be aware that there will be a quiz on all of these soundtracks by the next podcast. So please <laughs> get moving. So I uh, and thank you to all of you for listening to us ramble on for the last hour or so. Uh, if you enjoy our podcast, please give us a like, share, subscribe, review. All of those things are very helpful to us. If you want to give us a little tip on Kofi or Patreon, that would be totally cool as well. Otherwise, we will talk to you all very soon again. Have a great night, everybody. Good night, folks.